medical department, only two go to the bench, and we are more than a dozen. We don't train, we only recover. That's a, that's a situation. Preparation, hard work, confidence in overcoming those difficult moments. Today we're still outside Liverpool and we are going to the first part of the medical test. Welcome to this Football Medicine and Performance podcast. Hi, I'm Andrew Schwiek, a senior editor at the FMPA and your host for today's podcast. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Hugo Schechter. Hugo started the player care group after leaving West Ham United, where he was head of player care from 2018 to the end of 2020. He was brought in by the Hammers to create the player care department from scratch, inheriting a difficult situation and turning it into a smoothly functioning department with an effective staff who possess complementary skills. Prior to that, Hugo was at Southampton Football Club as their first player slash team liaison officer, setting up their player care offering and helping to make Southampton a springboard for some of the world's best footballing talent. Hugo also was employed as team operations manager at Indy 11, a second division startup team in the USA's NASL League. He is currently studying the Elite Athlete Wellbeing course by the Wellbeing Science Institute at Loughborough University as part of their first cohort and has a business and sport administration degree from the George Washington University in the USA. Whilst at university, Hugo earned his football coaching badges, coaching both men and women, as well as working on the crew of two Indianapolis 500 races. Thank you for joining us today, Hugo. No problem. Thanks today- for having me. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to be discussing your journey, experiences and finding out a little bit more about player care and how it integrates within medicine and performance. So just expanding on from the intro, do you mind telling us a little bit about your journey to date? Yeah, I mean, I think I was always focused on the sort of coaching route. I'd I'd never really played and I think that was where I really saw my future being. But I think as as I kind of got into more of the realities of, you know, what what does a pathway of an elite coach look like? It kind of dawned on me that wasn't going to be where I'd find success and was pushed more to the administration side. Um, and yeah, I kind of fell into player care. It was never something I really, I mean, I don't mean, think anyone dreams of being a, being a player liaison, but I certainly didn't. And uh, it kind of was a role that, that um, Les Reed really at Southampton, he, I was an intern there and he kind of said, oh, maybe you'd be good, good at this. And I wasn't sure to be honest. And yeah, I kind of fell into it and, and I've kind of been able to grow with, the world of player care growing at the same time so i've kind of been lucky in that arrived at the right time and have been able to sort of ride that way interesting journey and not one that i thought i'd be on but uh yeah it's been really rewarding really do you mind just starting off by telling us a bit about player care and, and why it's so important within football clubs yeah, so I think it's interesting because you know i'm sure a lot of your members work in different clubs and probably what they've experienced is player care will be very different to each other and anyone who sort of worked at different clubs will know it's very much down to the individual personalities and the role and there's not really any sort of um, oversight or or governance rules certainly in the first teams of the Premier League Um, so it it really has kind of grown organically in each place but the way I kind of see it is is everything that's not football or medical that kind of um, affects the players on a, on a day-to-day basis within the first team so um, you know the things that I've been in charge of are obviously player relocations, uh, family relations, um, team travel, internal communications, uh, player appearances, fan mail, signed items, um, you know, team bonding, 
you know, basically anything and everything that's kind of around the, the players. And uh, but every club's different, so different clubs will have different structures and processes. And um, I mean, I guess it may be quite similar to medical in terms of you know, there's not one club that's that's run the same as another club in terms of medical departments. You know, so I, I think you know a lot of football clubs are like that, but I think player care specifically is quite different. So um, you know, in terms of why it's important, I think you know not only does it it helps reduce the risk of the clubs because they are bringing in these multi-million pound assets. And it's really important that they can hit the ground running as quickly as possible. And it, it can really undermine the performance staff if they're, you know, you, you look at how many people are employed on a performance basis at a football club. And if the player's in a hotel for three months with his wife and two kids in, in the room and not sleeping more than three, four hours a night because the baby's are waking up, how can he possibly perform at his best? And then that's where sort of player care under, undermines performance. Um, but also just trying to make sure they have every opportunity to succeed and, and focus on the football. Um, and so that's why I think it's, it's, it's got to be seen as more as just paying bills and, and sorting taxis. It, it, it's got to be seen as more of a, a science almost that, that can be a sliding scale of quality, not just, you know, have we got it or have we not? Yeah. I mean, I think I was always focused on the sort of coaching route. I'd, I'd never really played. And I think that was where, I really saw my future being, but I think as, as I kind of got into more of the realities of, you know, what does, what does a pathway of an elite coach look like? It kind of dawned on me that wasn't going to be where I'd find success and was pushed more to the administration side. Um, and yeah, I kind of fell into player care. It was never something I really, I mean, I don't mean, think anyone dreams of being a, being a player liaison, but I certainly didn't. And uh, it kind of was a role that, that um, Les Reed really at Southampton, he, I was an intern there and he kind of said, oh, maybe you'd be good, good at this. And I wasn't sure, to be honest. And yeah, I kind of fell into it. And, and I've kind of been able to grow with, arrived at the right time and have been able to sort of ride that way. Real interesting journey and not one that I thought I'd be on, but uh, yeah, it, it's been really rewarding. Brilliant. Do, do you mind just starting off by telling us a bit about player care and, and why it's so important within football clubs? Yeah, so I think it's interesting because, you know, I'm sure a lot of your members work in different clubs and probably what they've experienced is, player care will be very different to each other and anyone who sort of worked at different clubs will know it's very much down to the individual personalities and the role and there's not really any sort of um, oversight or, or governance rules certainly in the first teams of the Premier League um, so it, it really has kind of grown organically in each place but the way I kind of see it is, is everything that's not football or medical that kind of um, affects the players on a, on a day-to-day basis within the first team so um, you know the things that I've been in charge of are obviously player relocations, uh, family relations, um, team travel, internal communications, uh, player appearances, fan mail, signed items, um, you know, team bonding, you know, basically anything and everything that's kind of around the, the players. And uh, But every club's different. So different clubs will have different structures and processes. And um, I mean, I guess it may be quite similar to medical in terms of, you know, there's not one club that's that's run the same as another club in terms of medical departments, you know? So I, I think, you know, a lot of football clubs are like that, but I think player care specifically is quite different. So, um, you know, in terms of why it's important, I think, you know, not only does it, it helps reduce the risk of the clubs because they are bringing in these multi-million pound assets. And it's really important that they can hit the ground running as quickly as possible. And it, it can really undermine the performance staff if they're, you know, you, you look at how many people are employed on a performance basis at a football club and, if the player's in a hotel for three months with his wife and two kids in, in the room and not sleeping more than three, four hours a night because the baby's are waking up, how can he possibly perform at his best? And then that's where sort of player care under, undermines performance. 
um, but also just trying to make sure they have every opportunity to succeed and, and focus on the football. Um, and so that's why I think it's 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 got to be seen as more as just paying bills and, and sorting taxes. It, it, it's got to be seen as more of a, a science almost that, that can be a sliding scale of quality, not just, you know, have we got it or have we not? Get calls where players have hurt themselves in the middle of the night and just being able to have someone from medical to be able to even bounce it off and just say, no, A&E is the best place or no, no, we'll see it in the morning or whatever. You know, that can be, that can be really important to have a really good relationship. And I think all departments work better when they work together, but specifically medical and player care can be really supportive of each other and, and help improve what both, both organizations do. That's really interesting. And uh, especially the point with food shops, I can imagine that was invaluable during COVID times when you've got players that, you know, are having to, to isolate, a, you know, almost like a, a service that's a necessity there that player care is, is unique to offer. Um, yeah. you, you've, you've kind of mentioned how medical and performance staff can work together with, with player care. Now, I, I want to focus on a few kind of specific groups um, and some of the challenges that you may face with them. So the first one I'd kind of like to discuss is loan players as well as kind of integrating academy players and any pointers that you may, may have on that. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, loan players when they come in, I can't you know if they're incoming loans, then you treat them as any sort of other player. Um, you know, I don't think there's much difference there. Um, the players out on loan, it, it's it's a really tough one because they're going to go to varying facilities, maybe varying countries, and, and have varying support. Um, now, we would make sure that they have the basics covered in terms of the housing and the, and the transport and all of that. But again, we don't have that knowledge of the medical side of it, so that you know that what I find is best is when you create a little committee and, and most clubs will have a loan manager, but if not, then a committee of responsible people. It's normally not the heads of department. It's normally a person within each department to be responsible for it. And to do joint visits can be really good because again, like, you know, when you have two, four, well, four eyes, I guess, instead of two, it can help find problems that maybe we wouldn't see. And so, you know, even, even like, you know, look at the nutrition, what are they eating? Can they cook? Um, and especially as most of the young players are low, are young players, it can be working with academy staff and first team staff. And I think a lot of clubs, the 23s is a really kind of a gray area where, you know, if you're not, if you're nine, if you're 20, 21, 22, and you're not playing in the first team, you're probably not going to. And so, you know, trying to make sure we are supporting those players, but also making sure that if they are needed and they are needed at short notice that, that we can welcome them. So one of the things we did at West Ham was because we had two different sites, we had the academy site and the first team site, which weren't far away, but they were different, is we'd bring young academy players, you know, the sort of either first year pros or, or scholars, you know, as they signed, they'd come do even just an hour at the training ground on a day off for the first team to see where's the dining room, where are the toilets, who are these people? Because, you know, we want our academy players to perform. And, and there's always this kind of been this in, in football where, they've got to earn the support or they've got to earn their place in the first team. And I think it's not for us, whether it's player care, medical, kit man, chef, whoever, to decide if a player earns his place in the changing room, it's the manager. And that's the only really person who matters. And so we should be doing everything we can to make sure that they have everything they need because them playing in the first team for the first time will be the most stressful moment of their life. So why are we trying to get them to jump through hoops by time to bring their own boots or, you know, you can't eat this food or you whatever. Like if the manager thinks they're good enough to be in the first team squad, even for one session, we should treat them like a first team player and make sure they have all that support. And, you know, that it sounds obvious, but it's a basic thing that's, you know, not easily done in football sometimes. That's really interesting. And 
I, I think that kind of leads on to the to the next group in integrating players from abroad. Um, mm-hmm. What are kind of some of the the key, I suppose, you know, some of the aspects you've learned as well, as some of the key challenges um, that you faced in that specific subgroup? I think there's probably a couple of main things I would say. First of all, um, a buddy system is always really good, you know, whether it's a young player or a senior player coming in, because whether it's something they can share, whether it's a language or a culture or, or something where they've just got somebody they can, you know, one friendly face in the in the, in the changing room and we'll try and organise maybe a dinner or, you know, it's even better if there's like, a, you know, a, a double date almost with with two couples, just because then both the player and their family get that, that sort of connection and support. Um, but the next thing really is the languages. And, you know, often I get asked about how essential is player care, you know, linguists in player care. And it is important to have those skills, but it's more important to be able to have a club culture where the players learn English as quickly as possible. Because, you know, for me, I struggle when players have been here 10 years and don't speak any English or don't publicly speak English. Um, And so what I like to see is when players are, have a culture from the manager, from the director of football, from the owners that, you know, learning English is a really important part. And we, we'll put on the English lessons. They can do it training ground at home, online, whatever they want to do. But, you know, their life becomes so much easier once they can speak English. Not only can they have individual conversations with the manager and the coaches, but go down the shops or, you know, call 999 in emergency. It, it's a very basic skill, but it, it's really not enforced across a lot of clubs that players have to learn English. It's kind of optional. And for me, that's wrong. I think it's important that these guys learn learn English because not only can they be more useful to the club in terms of commercial activations, but undoubtedly they'll be happier. And anyone who's ever been on holiday or or worked maybe in a country where they have none, none of the language skills, it's really unsettling and it's really uncomfortable. And, you know, having been to China with, with West Ham, I've never felt so uncomfortable as being in a place where I knew that if, if something hit the fan, I'd have no way of communicating with people, you know, none at all. And, you know, that that's quite quite scary. So I can understand it from, from a player's point of view, they're being expected to perform. So, you know, learning the English language is, is a basic skill. That's really interesting. And I think we've kind of discussed in detail there, player care and why it's so crucial within a club. But mm-hmm. I suppose this leads me on to, to the final question, and it'd be interesting to get your point of view on this. Do you think there's something similar that should be developed for for staff care and and how could that integrate uh, within a club? Yeah, I mean, it's the, the, there's no secret that the pressures on staff um, is very high. And, and I think player care and medical are probably the two who are on call most and, you know, working the, the longest hours and the craziest hours. So it can be really difficult. I think the first thing we can do is just support each other. And, and rather than having siloed work where, well, that's not my job, it's not my job muck in and help each other out and um i know the staff that i've worked best with are the ones that i could just have a chat with and you know even say look i'm really struggling with this what do you think um now i think you know there are some clubs that look after their staff really well there are other clubs who pay their staff a lot of money to keep them and you know so then you get unmotivated staff who just can't afford to leave which i think is not great but then you get staff who do neither and i think uh, sorry clubs that do neither and i think it's really important that you, you want to retain the best staff and that means supporting them. And I don't think you need a full player care point of, you know, you know, concierge service 24 hours a day. I don't think that would be appropriate, but I think having some resources where, whether it's, you know, the ability to go talk to a counselor or, um, you know, just some basic admin support, you know, childcare vouchers, you know, help getting a new car, whatever it is, I think could be really, really useful. And, and we've always tried to support staff um, by, 
opening up deals that are available to players to, to staff as well. But the difficulty with us is that the players' budgets are normally quite a lot higher than the uh, uh, the staff. So, you know, getting 10% off on Lamborghinis doesn't really help, you know, the uh, the junior physio. So, um, you know, maybe the doctors can afford that, but uh, or some of them. But uh, no, it, it's, it, it needs to be relevant as well. So I think there's definitely, you know, moves to be made, but um yeah i just find just being supportive in the day-to-day work is 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 a good step in the first place brilliant hugo thank you very much for joining us today um i think it's been very insightful for our listeners to get a perspective on uh, a kind of different uh department within football and how it can integrate into medicine and performance for sure listeners we'll put up the links up for the player care group and hugo's social media profiles if you're interested in finding out a little bit more If you've enjoyed today, please subscribe to the FMP on our Spotify and SoundCloud accounts where you can reach all of our podcasts. Alternatively, our podcasts are also available for free via the podcast section of the FMPA website. Lastly, thanks again, Hugo. You've been listening to the Football Medicine and Performance podcast. Have a great day.